Hey, Josue here with a very quick request. Headshots is a part of the Geek Therapy Network. Currently, we have five different shows, including Geek Therapy, Psych Tech, Headshots, Rolling for Change, and Jedi Council. We've made a very quick survey. The link is in the show notes, so you can just look down at the description, and it'll be the first link there. If you could just take one minute to fill that out, it's an audience survey. We just want to know a little bit more about our audience. So again, if you could just take one minute of your time to fill that out, we would all greatly appreciate it. Thank you. This is Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast with your hosts, Josue Cardona, an engineer-turned-mental-health and ed-tech guru, and psychologist and game scholar, Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Hey everybody, welcome to Headshots, Josue Cardona here with Kelly Dunlap. What's up, Kelly? Hey, how's it going? So um, I have to admit something. I kind of uh, podcast cheated on you this week. Well, you, I, I knew about it. it. It wasn't really cheating. I said it was okay. If you know, is it still cheating? Oh, well, I guess so. Yeah. It, it's, just like right. a, it's like a polyamorous. It's podcast amorous. <laughs> um, I like it. I like, I like podcast amory. I like it. Um, so I, I, I really, really, really wanted to talk about Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, it is so good. And there were so many things that I just like really wanted to say. So I started looking for somebody who might be playing it. And guess, guess what I found? What did you find? Not only someone who was, is pretty much the only game she was playing right now, but she's writing a paper on it for her positive psychology class uh, regarding flow states. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That sounds like headshots material to me. So... <laughs> Uh, and so I'm talking about uh, Lauren Keller, who you mentioned recently because you met her in uh, over at GDC. Yeah, yeah, we had lunch at GDC. It was it was great to meet her because we've talked back and forth on on Twitter many many times. So it's great to put a, a face to the name. And she actually told me during lunch, you know, hey, if you ever need someone to podcast with. And since I'm not playing Breath of the Wild uh, because I don't play video games anymore because I have a tiny tyrant that runs my life, I thought it, it, it was perfect. It was it was a match made in Hyrule heaven. It was. It was. Um, it was pretty good. And, you know, to that point, she offered to be on the podcast, right? And, and over the years, like uh, do, doing all these different podcasts, my favorite thing is to talk to people who listen to the show. And you don't have to come on the show, but I would still like to talk to you. And um, the, I don't know, it's like, it's so great. I just, I just want to encourage everybody that if you, like, I have a friend who listens to Psych Tech in particular, and she says, oh, I always want to like yell at you when you say something, or I just want to pick up the phone and text you. I'm like, you, you could, you could do that. Or you could email me or you could tweet at me. And, and I like that we're seeing that more and more through the um, Geek Therapy Facebook group. Yeah. And so... So I just want to encourage people to absolutely, like, if you ever have any thoughts or, or, or ideas about something we're talking about here, or it made you think, like, definitely reach out to us. I, I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love it when we get mentions on Twitter of people either saying that we're wrong or agreeing or uh, most of the time it's a perspective that I hadn't even thought of. And that's that's the coolest thing because then I get to learn, too. Yeah, yeah. And long ranty emails are are welcome, too. Yes. I love them. Um, so, you know, you don't have to come on the show, but that's kind of what, what Lauren did. So I'm going to switch over to, um, my very long geek out session and in-depth, uh, flow conversation (laughs) about Zelda Breath of the Wild with Lauren. Woo! (laughs) 
You guys, I want headshots. I'm so excited. <laughs> you can't you know, see me, but I'm flapping my hands. Ooh, man. Okay, so so I am here with Lauren Keller. Yes. Who is here really to satiate my need to talk about Zelda Breath of the Wild. So thank you so much, Lauren, for being here and geeking out with me. Well, thank you thank so much. You for, thank you for having me. I'm, I feel super great about this. I really look up to you and Kelly, so this is kind of a, a little oh, dream stop. I'm oh, stop. fulfilling right now. <laughs> Listen, we're 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 happy to have you here. Um, I know you got to meet Kelly recently, and and she mentioned that on the show. That's um, super cool, and I'm very jealous that you both got to go to GDC, and I did not. But I was home playing Zelda, pretty much. <laughs> and yep. And I'm a I'm a huge Zelda fan. And it's been hard. Like I think I mentioned it to you in a, in a tweet where I'm. I feel like I need to reevaluate all of my friends because not enough of them are playing Zelda, so I can't really talk to as many people about it, which is so sad. Yeah. Oh, my girlfriend is probably sick of hearing me talk about Zelda. <laughs> she knows too much about Amiibo now. Um, yep. Way more than she wanted to know. So, so I'm so glad I reached out to you. I was like, I'm hoping that she's playing Zelda. I'm just going to ask. I was very casual. I was like, hey, what game are you playing? Are you playing anything right now? I, I appreciated uh. that. It was <laughs> like, hey, like, maybe you're playing Zelda perhaps. And I'm like, uh, heck yes. Heck yes, I am. And it is so good. So yeah, good. Li- let's just geek out a little bit on that. I, I, I cannot believe. So I, again, big Zelda fan for years. Like I have a Zelda Wii U or my Zelda 3DS. Like I will... I'll pr- I probably haven't bought a Switch, but I'll probably buy one when they do a Zelda edition. Oh, um, yeah. Like, I can't, I can't help myself. I, oh, I mean, it is just my favorite. It's, it's definitely my favorite game series. And this game, it, it's so good. Like, the hype is real. It is so good that I cannot believe. I can't believe it. I can't believe how good it is. H- how, do, how do you feel about it? I am also a huge Zelda fan. Uh, I've been playing it since I was a, a wee sprout and uh, I actually my first <laughs> my first tattoo is the the Hyrule symbol the Triforce with the wings um, and I also have the the Zelda Wii U so the best Wii U these. the best <laughs> Wii U but yeah. yeah no it is so good it's uh, Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker are my well, and Link's Awakening. Those are those are my three favorite Zelda games, and this is just button up in there, being like, um, excuse me, I'm number one now. Yeah, it, it is yeah. such a good game. It's I, I like open world games. This is probably the best open world game I I have played. It feels open. It feels like I not only is there a bunch of things to do, but there are a bunch of things I want to do. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like there's anything that you can't do. You yeah. know? Like maybe sometimes you feel like I can't I can't do it right now. I but you can try to do it right now. You <laughs> know, like and fail. Like yeah, it's like I, I can see it, I can try, but maybe I don't have enough stamina. Maybe I'm just not strong enough. But you can try. You can go for yeah. it. Yeah. So I can't quite make it up there, but then you just mark it on your map and come back to it. Yeah, no, it is it is there, there's so many things about it that I that I just love. Are, are there any um, like uh, moments or things that surprised you um, uh, recently that that you're kind of like I can't believe this just happened? Um. Well, okay. So I was playing earlier today, and I'm 
I've only I've beaten one of the divine beasts. I've I've gone to the Zora Kingdom and I uh, did the elephant guy. Um, and now so, I'm so running around. Cool story about that. Everywhere I read, there were it, it was like, well, you know, you should you're probably going to find the Zora domain first, or we recommend that you find the Zora domain first. I found Gerudo Town first. Yeah, that's where I am now. Yeah, which yeah, I, yeah. I actually totally love because I love the style of the the Gerudo, their yeah. outfits and body shapes and weird sexist town. <laughs> 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 I I love that Link has to be real cute in order to get in. I'm yeah, like, yeah. uh, I'm just gonna be cute the rest of the game if that's cool. <laughs> For me, one of the big surprises and something that happened that was like kind of shocked me. And again, like I don't think this is going into spoiler territory. Like it's a Zelda game, and there are just so many surprises and things, mm-hmm. you know, that happen uh, uh, along the way. But there was this one um, shrine that I that I was trying to find. It was like this. There's this. There are these woods that go completely dark, and then you you go in and you need a torch to walk around and it, there's no light whatsoever. So you only have like a torch and you only light a little bit up in front of you. And it took me about 15 minutes going around in there trying to find the shrine. And finally, when I find the shrine, it's, it has, it's one of those puzzles where you need to take the ball and put it in the, on the base. Mm-hmm. And I, like I see what I have to do. And then when I move toward it, there's actually a giant mini boss right there. Like one of mm-hmm. the ones that you find out in the like out in the in the field, so I was mm-hmm. like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Like it was just <laughs> you can't see it, you know. And I was like, "I've been I've been at this for a good half hour now." By the time like it was hard to get there, it was hard to find the thing. Like and then that so, but after all that, I was like, "You know what? I've never fought a mini boss before. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna do it because I've I feel I feel like I can now, and and I came this far, so why not why not try it?" Yeah. It was oh, it was just it was just such a such a like these these moments that happen, these things that are so surprising. And I've seen videos of so many things that I just I can't believe that the game allows them to happen. Right, like like you mentioned, yeah. it, it really does feel like an open world. You would really do. There is this freedom in the game that I've never felt in a game before, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that all of the rules are established once you start the game, and then. Everything goes within those rules. There's nothing that doesn't make sense other yeah. than like the, the extreme outside of the map where it says like you can't go any further. But other than that, there's, there's really nothing like you can go as high as you want, as low as you want. If you can see it, you can, you can go to it. It's incredible. It's just so incredible. It is. I, I, and this is becoming less true the further into the game I get and the more powerful I become, but I really appreciate it in the beginning of the game, when you're first starting out, how much it feels, you know, a lot of these open world games is like, you're basically an unstoppable god. You can kill anything, and you can do whatever you want, and, you know, what is this little town villager going to say to you? You, None none of it matters. You are a god in this play space, in this sandbox, and you can do whatever you want. In the beginning, it felt so much like Link really was, he's just another person in this world. And so it's like, yeah, you can get knocked off of a cliff by a goat. It happens. Gravity <laughs> gravity applies to you. <laughs> and stuff like that where it's just like I'd kill a monster and then I'd be like, "Oh, hey, where's the stuff that he dropped? Where did that go?" And I'd realize that the wind blew it away and I'd have to like go chase after it to try and grab the 
you know, inventory stuff to <laughs> make more food or whatever. Um, but it, it felt very much like you're a, you're a part of the world. You exist within all of these systems as well. You're not just this unstoppable god character able to do whatever you please. Though, the more I play, the, the less that because uh, I am an unstoppable god at this point. <laughs> as long as I have enough food. You know, it's funny. I, I'm... So I'm I'm about seventy hours in, mm-hmm. and I've done all four divine beasts. I think I have fourteen hearts and three full stamina wheels. Nice. So I should feel godlike at this point, but mm-hmm. I still don't. Yeah. You know, like I I probably like it's really really hard for me to die at this point because I don't go anywhere without fairies and without other stuff like to make sure like mm-hmm. I am I'm. I'm okay, <laughs> but still, I there there are still enemies and there are still things that are really hard. Like I'm still scared of guardians, even though they're not that big of a problem for me now. They're still they're still a pain. They're still definitely yeah. a pain, and and so it almost feels like that I've conquered the terrain. Like the world is mine, but there's still a lot. Like I'm doing way more running than fighting. Like, if there's mm-hmm. an encounter, I'm still just more likely to just uh, sprint past something. It's like, than... no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do that a lot where I'm like, oh, I've only got, like, two good weapons, so I'll just see you later, and I run past yeah. them. Yeah, like, I don't want to waste this weapon on you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, the system's in it. I don't know. Again, it's something – I don't remember ever playing a game where I felt that progression so – that was so good. That, that just felt so natural. There were so many things that I could see and almost get there. And then I, I just needed to do a few other things so I could get there without any issue. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I got, you know, I got to go Village the first time. And then I spent like real life, like 40 minutes just cooking a bunch of food because I was like, this is so neat. You can cook in a Zelda game. Oh, boy. As making a bunch of consumable, like literally to the point where it's like, you don't have any more room in your inventory. Stop that. (laughs) But there was definitely a handful of moments where I probably shouldn't have been able to progress. But because I had so much food that gave me various boosts, I was like, yeah, no, I am going to make it to the top of this mountain. Deal with it. And then I get up there and (laughs) I'm just like, no, I, I, uh, I ate that frog, frog food. And now I can keep climbing. And then I get up there, and there's a monster that's, like, way too tough for me. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have come here. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you have you done the Zora's Domain? Um, have you done the first Divine Beast? Yeah, I, I completed that. That's the only Divine Beast I've completed. I've gone... So you I'm, know that part right before you can go to the Beast where you have to fight the Lionel? And oh, my get gosh. The... That was so hard. So, so, again, one of the things that I love about the game, since I had gone to Gerudo Town first... Uh-huh. I, I just found Gerudo Town like, right. way before I found Zero's Domain. So and you they told me had that, that super move. Well, they told me, like, oh, you need, um, you need to get um, uh, lightning, uh, electric arrows. The, yeah, right? the lightning arrows. So yeah. if you, to, you, to get those, you need to beat the, the Lionel. So I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't feel like fighting uh, whatever that is. I, that sounds I saw bad. Them. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I remember they were selling them at Gerudo Town. So I just went over, bought them, came back. They're like, oh, you have 10 or 20 or how many you need? Okay, you're good. So I didn't even have to 
go do that other thing. Like I was following the rules of the game, right? I wasn't locked out of the next part because I didn't do it in the way that they said. I was just, I just had them. And so I, I've never gone up there to fight that Lionel. I've, I've met one way afterwards. I was like, oh, it's a Lionel. Yeah, okay. And I still really haven't been tough. able to beat one. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. actually, that was a really cool thing about that that Zoro quest is that um, it's it's said that you could fight him, but it also said you can just like run around and dodge his arrows and then pick them up yourself. Like you don't actually have to kill him. Oh, so you get them from him. Yeah, there's like uh, there's a bunch stuck in the trees around his area. So you can <sighs> sort of sneak around and pick them up or you can um, get his attention and then just run around and desperately avoid getting shot because <laughs> uh he has really really good aim um oh, the worst. but yeah yeah no i ended up uh there was a zora who gave me a like a side quest to take a picture of him um and he gave me oh what did he get i think he gave me the uh the zora pants the swimming pants gotcha yeah yeah so uh, I, I, don't have I, ra- yeah. I ran over there and I took a picture of him and then I snuck around and picked up the arrows. And then I was like, uh, I can't fight you. So goodbye now. <laughs> 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 and just left. But yeah, yeah. So I've got, I've got that complete Zora outfit, which is very, I really, I really like having outfits. I mean, I miss the traditional green link outfit, but I really like having like, oh, I'm going to put on my, you know, my cold weather outfit or oh, I'm going to be sneaky, put on my sneaky outfit. So if you use Amiibo, you can actually get a, um, a Wind Waker outfit. Mm-hmm. You can get a Ocarina of Time outfit. And I'm pretty sure you can get a Twilight Princess outfit. And so there's just there's just three different shades of green, <laughs> but you can get the full <laughs> outfits of those two. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I'm I don't have any amiibo because um, I'm a poor grad student, but uh, I I was like shocked at how many really cool things that they have, and they're not just um, you know Zelda Zelda themed stuff. Like you can use other other amiibos and get in game like consumables and stuff, which was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, you just get, like, plants and, and meat and stuff like that so you can cook it up. Um, but if you use a Zelda amiibo, then you get this chest and then cool stuff can can be in there, like like all those different um, outfits, which, they're, again, they're kind of weak. But if you really want the green one, you have <laughs> plenty to choose from. It is it is so fun to to get those. Like And, and so it's just – we could again, we're playing the same game and we're playing – in a way, we're playing very different games, you know? And I've talked yeah. to people who are like, oh, you know what? I really don't like the shrines. I'm like, oh, but I love the shrines. What? Like, yeah. You know, so it's like, well, you know, they like this part of it. They they find th- they don't care about the shrines. But I'm I'm 65 shrines in and and I want to see all the shrines. Yeah, you know? I'm definitely like going to go to all the shrines. That's one of my shrines. favorite parts. I wish there were slightly fewer um, combat shrines. I mean, I appreciate mm. that they made, you know, easy, medium, hard combat shrines but i wish there was only like nine of them total and the rest were the (laughs) puzzles because i that's like that is my jam and that was actually we were talking about surprises that was sort of when i heard that there weren't really traditional dungeons i was kind of like but that's what i love about zelda but they've created this system where it's like no you have like a hundred dungeons they're just individual uh contained small puzzles 
Yeah. And yeah, because I love the dungeons because they were yeah. puzzles. And these are all like there's so many puzzles. <laughs> there so are. Many. It's so good. And I love that the like so many of them are like just it's just physics puzzles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, some of them, like, I've had to really, really think about them, which I love. Um, at this point, again, like, 70 hours in, I'm into, like, I'm looking up a guide every now and then at this point. Because there are yeah. things that I, like, I know we're out there. I'm not sure where they are. Um, but for the most part, like, they, they make you think. And, and yeah, they're not, they're not really hard. They don't take very long, which is also very much a, like, a, you know, like, I can play. I'm like, oh, well, I've only got 15 minutes. I can probably do um, at least one shrine. Like the way I've been yep. playing is I would go through and then I would um, – like I kept marking a shrine and I wouldn't go in. And then I would just continue and try to find another shrine. And then I was mapping out – like my first goal was to map out the entire world. And I did that before I did any of the dungeons of the Divine Beasts. And mm-hmm. then I kind of slowly started doing, like once I started needing more stamina, I was like, okay, I need to do, I need to do a couple shrines. <laughs> yep. And then I'd start doing that. And that's kind of like, that's kind of how I progressed through the game. And, and it felt really good. It, also, it also, like you could play the game however you want, which yeah. again, there aren't many games that let you do that. Yeah. So I good. really, really like that. I like having that kind of agency to just be like, hey, there's a thing over there. I'm going there. Have you, did you know, right? This is like a couple, a couple of cool questions. Did you know that you can swap your stamina and hearts? I did. I ran into um, that, what, like trickster statue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In, did you just find it or did somebody yeah, tell you? Yeah, I, I was just like running around and I was like, who's this? And I talked to it and then it took a heart and I was like, no, give that back. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh, okay. But, uh, which was an actually a really like genuinely funny way to introduce that mechanic is literally force you to do it. It's oh, like, yeah. no, I'm yeah. just, this is mine now. And I'm like, no, 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 wait. I desperately need that heart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I actually, I found that like pretty early on when I, I think I had only gotten like two hearts of that. I think I had five hearts total. So I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for that yet. But uh, that is really handy to know for when you're trying to get the master sword, which I don't have yet, but you need like 13 13, hearts. 13. Yeah. So how crazy is it that I didn't know about that till I, I never saw it. Like I went to Hatino village ton of times, tons of times. I didn't, know that that existed and i think i was listening to a podcast and someone mentioned that i was like whoa you gotta be kidding me that's how how did i not know this about 30 hours in because the game the game really doesn't tell you anything you know there's so many secrets and actually there's a lot of things that happen right during the load screen you get Mm -hmm. some tips and but but like there's again so many things that i found out through other sources so once i heard that i was like whoa wait a so then i started talking to every kid in the village until one of them finally took me over to to the statue and mm. and again it was it was again it's like that's a completely different game if was, since when you started you knew you could swap them and me i'm like oh, i don't know what to do should i get stamina should i get a heart such a tough decision <laughs> now it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> just go back and forth yeah, no, there's, yeah. there's again, like, tons of secrets like that. Are you, have you, have you heard of Terrytown? Terrytown? No, I don't think so. So, so this is a, there, there's a town in the game that doesn't exist until you help build it. 
Uh-huh. And it's something that doesn't even happen until you finish doing like a longer quest. Like it's one of these things that came out of nowhere. You do something and suddenly a guy's like, you know what? I want to go fulfill my dream of building my own town. If you're ever around this area, come find me. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And so there's nothing there. And then you can help this guy build a town. So, and like how many people will never do that because they never finished this other quest that had a few mm. different uh, pieces. That's it's, so cool. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's incredible. So many, so many cool things. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I think we could geek out about the game for for a while, a long, long, many, many hours. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But I'm, but I'm really curious about, like, when I, when I mentioned to you about the game, you said you were writing a paper. I am. I on am. Breath of the Wild. Uh, so what, what t- tell me about that. Actually, before that, you are studying media psychology, correct? I am, yes. Media psychology sounds really cool. What is media psychology? Media psychology is uh, basically the intersection of media and psychology. It's, uh, it's a lot like Psych Tech Podcast. <laughs> call out. <laughs> um, but it's very much just sort of how how people interact with media and how media interacts with them. It, 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 especially, you know, given our current technological capabilities, it's it's a lot of focus on on technology and, you know, TV, podcasts, video games, um, movies, radio, all of that stuff, and how, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's very multidisciplinary. So there's a lot of, like, communication studies, and there's a lot of psych studies. Um, It's really cool. Oh, my my focus is on video games. So um, there's a couple, it's, uh, shout out to my school, it's Fielding Graduate University. It's fantastic. I love it. I highly recommend it if you can afford it. Um, (laughs) And uh, they, they are very much about letting students um, study what they are interested in. So they're very supportive in the fact that I'm obsessed with video games and I make every class I take, no matter what the topic is, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be talking about video games. I can connect it. Don't worry. <laughs> so is it like you're, you're officially minoring in video games or is that like your concentration? Like how it's does that work? It's my concentration. Okay. Uh, that's, okay. That's, it's my focus. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, podcasts. Like, do you can you study podcasting at the school? Um, like, I, is that I covered? Think you, I think you could. Uh, it would hmm. probably be kind of tough because I imagine there's not a lot of specific research on that. But then again, that could be the research that you do. Right? Is finding out yeah. how people, you know, respond to podcasts. Are podcasts more or less persuasive than other mediums? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely cool. be my focus. <laughs> you do love podcasts. <laughs> I do love podcasts. Yes, I do. It's still like, it rattles me a little bit when I meet somebody who doesn't know what a podcast is. You're I like, need to like what? take a Where deep are breath. You from? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> what island have you been trapped on? Oh, man. I had, uh, <laughs> an uncle of mine recently was like, Oh no! Like I see you post stuff, but I don't know. Like uh, what? What is that? What's about you? It's like oh, let me, let me. And I tell him, and he's like, oh, I, I'd love to listen to it. How do I do that? And he shows me an Android phone, and it was so hard to get a, a the podcast up on an Android phone. Like that's not helpful for podcasting. I'm just saying. That's weird. 
Yeah. I, I mean, like you have to go through Stitcher or something like that. Like it's not, yeah. it's not like, oh, there's the podcast app and then it's really Yeah, I easy. guess, I guess uh, iPhones just have the built-in iTunes. Yeah. It makes it yeah. a lot easier. I mean, it's something like I take for granted, you know, because yeah. um, it's, it's not as easy. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I've oh, got, yeah, I I've got an Android that. phone, but I use uh, Podcast Addict is the app I use for podcasts. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna pass that along to everybody I meet with a with an Android phone. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty nice. You can set it to um, like auto update itself, and it'll download all of your podcasts and put them on a playlist for you. It's pretty handy. I like it. Do you listen to your podcast at different speeds? <laughs> oh, oh, that is. Yeah, a, I, I do. I do. I listen to. Um, I think a, me and Kelly sound really, really good at 1.5. I don't I, I don't listen to psych tech or game shots sped up, which okay. you should take as a compliment. Um, <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. Uh, but I do listen to a couple of comedy podcasts. I usually listen to it at like 1.2, where it's just a little bit faster, just a okay. little bit funnier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, for uh, psych tech and headshots and... Um, the psychology of video games podcast, all of those I listen to at regular speed because it's, uh, I can pretend it's doing homework. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so I did, again, you're, you're just here again to, to speak about my interests essentially and to mm-hmm. satiate my need to talk about these things. Yes. Um, but let's, let's get back on topic. Um, so, so that paper. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's for my uh, positive psychology course, and I'm writing my final paper on um, Breath of the Wild and Flow, which uh, is a psychological state in which challenge and player skill are balanced. And it's very emotionally and cognitively rewarding. And uh, every every culture has flow state, and it's revered by everybody. It, it feels good. It feels engaging, and it gives life meaning. And it doesn't just have to be video games. That's you know reading a really good book, or playing an instrument, or uh, you know sculpting, or whatever whatever endeavor that you get really really into to the point where you don't really feel a sense of time. Um, you're not very self-aware anymore. If you're an anxious person, which I tend towards, you you don't think about you know whatever's worrying you. You're you're totally engrossed in your activity, and it's a really good feeling. And I think Breath of the Wild uh, not only supports that state, but also in, like has made a bunch of very intentional decisions to create. Um, opportunities for flow and ways to maintain flow. So that is what my, what my paper's all about. So give me some of those examples. Like I can I can think of a few. I've been there. You don't you don't play seventy hours of a game in a couple of weeks uh, without having that notion of whoa that was four hours. I did not realize <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah. So so yeah. what are what are some of those? I'm really curious about the the intentional things that you found um to you know that are in the game that you know really you know like we know that there are psychologists working at game companies helping 
um, with motivation, helping to achieve that flow state, like all these types of things. So I'm 100% convinced, right, that none of the things that are in Breath of the Wild are accidental, right? Like they're even even like the distance between one thing and the other are like it seems like it's it, it it's definitely not random. You know, you can tell yeah. that it's designed in a way like like when you go up a tower and I don't know if this is one of them, right? Like when you go up a tower and then from there you can see so many different things and that you can yes. actually go to. And you don't have enough stamina, but at least now you know where they are. And it's very different than just having a map or having something that's just that's just invisible that you can't see. You know, like I, I find that to be incredibly rewarding and motivating and helps me with that. We're like, oh, like, you know, I finally figured out how to get, climb that tower. Look at all this stuff that I can do now. That's so cool. I'm going to mark it on my map. I'm going to do that. And yeah. I, I feel like I made progress. Like, I feel like I made all different sorts of progress just by achieving that one thing. And now all of these other things seem attainable that weren't attainable five seconds before that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a great example is, is how the physical world is shaped the the geography of the overworld map is that you can generally speaking you can see the major landmarks from anywhere and so uh you know specifically hyrule castle seeing as that is your your main storyline your your main goal is to uh save zelda and defeat ganon and so you you can, you know, from any tower or whatever, you can always see where Hyrule is. And so that is a really um, powerful way to maintain your goals, your main goal. But there's also all of the intermediate goals that the, the player's choosing for themselves. So that's you get to the top of the tower and you can see two undiscovered um, shrines. And so you mark those on your map and you fly down to one. And while you're on the way to one, you see, you know a glowing thing on this other this other ridge or whatever and you sort of take a detour over there and so your intermediate goals are constantly changing based on you know whatever you're choosing to do at the moment and the game has a really good system of sort of encouraging that where it's like you know the the collectible items are sparkly they set up the geography where when you are you know sort of flying over to one place you'll you'll pass over something and it draws your visual attention to like oh hey there's a, a moblin camp over there i should go blow up those dudes real quick before i go <laughs> on to the shrine um and collect more weapons or you know try out this new bomb arrow i just got or what have you um, and so, so the, that, uh, clear goals and feedback are really important to flow states. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, it's really hard to stay in flow. And if you don't get feedback, then you don't know if you're being successful basically. And so having, having those systems in place where, where your, your main goal is always right there, ready to go. Um, but you can change whatever your intermediate goals are based on your own impulses, and the game supports that. It, it's very cool. It's a very good, 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 good system, um, <clears throat> especially because of the really cool way that they set up the map where you can place markers for things that you see and you're interested in and giving you all those different stamp 
choices so you can be all like oh well there's a cooking pot here or there's some weird like Korok seed thing that I don't know how to do yet but it's clearly something and leaving yourself a little star to be like I'm coming back I'm coming back for you you know that's that's one of those things where in a game like um, Assassin's Creed or even Horizon Zero Dawn which is more recent like you you know that something is there because it's on the map but you don't it's different in Zelda because in Zelda you see it. You don't know that it's there until you see it and then it's visible yeah. from a certain point. And that's so different, right? Because it's not like – it's not a scavenger hunt where you're like, well, I know it's around here somewhere, so I need to find it. It's very much a – with the exception of the shrine, right? Like the shrine is still telling you like it's around here somewhere. But it's usually visible, right? Like most things mm-hmm. aren't hidden and like inside a building or anything like that. And that feels completely different, like like you said, um, and to – to navigate the map that way. Yeah, yeah, and I love I love that um, they've got the shrine locator that you can upgrade so you can locate other collectible items too, which I think is pretty neat. Um, yes. But yeah. but being able to turn that on and off, I think, is a really cool cool choice. Also with the um, the the HUD options, being able to turn off all of the you know the mini map and the temperature gauge and stuff like that I think is pretty cool because they found ways to give you that information um, sort of in-game, right? Like they have the te- the temperature gauge, but you can also just look at Link. Is he shivering? Then it's cold. Mm-hmm. Is he like being a sweaty smoke? boy? Then it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like really, really neat. There are like you can you can choose to have this information available to you on screen um, as the player, or you can just depend on the like the diegetic indicators that what what Link tells you is happening in in the world to him. Do you think that those things allow you then to? It's another way to adjust the difficulty without um, adjusting the difficulty? Yeah, I guess. I guess that's sort of how they, they – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that's sort of how they, they pointed it out in-game is they were like, oh, you can turn off this stuff if you're like a tough, cool gamer and you don't need extra <laughs> help. But I really yeah. – honestly, I've been playing it um, – after I got off the Great, the great pl- uh, Plateau, I stopped I, – I turned off the, the mini-map and everything. I still have the shrine locator on, but um, I find that I really, it's only useful in like one out of every eight or nine shrines. And otherwise it's like, it doesn't start beeping until I'm like flying directly at it. And I'm like, shrine locator, I know, I know it's there. I see it. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I, I would say I'm, I'm proud pretty good at games so maybe maybe it is a difficulty thing but i really do feel like the game just it does a really good job of giving you the information that you need um without without a ton of hand holding menu wise what what other um what other aspects did you find um like intentional in design like that another example would be um your goals are very fluid so it's like as you know we're we're talking about you you get to a tower and that you know you see the tower and that becomes your goal so you go towards the tower and you get there and then your next goal is well i gotta get up that tower so you climb up to the tower goal completed then you're up there you unlock the map for the area and then you look around and you see a shrine off in the distance so that becomes your new goal and you're flying over there and so it has a really good uh system of of allowing players to constantly have uh 
new goals available to them. There's not a lot of times where you're just standing around like, well, what do I do now? It's like, ooh, a thing. I'm going to go check it out. I think that's that's a really good way to immerse your players is because there's not this point where they uh, sort of step out of the game where you become self-aware again, where you're like, oh, what do I as the player want to choose to do next? Or let me go into my you know quest list and look at what my next quest is. It's literally, it's just, I'm Link and I climbed up this mountain and then I saw a thing and now I'm going to go look at the thing and now I see a dude and I'm going to go kill the dude. And it's very immersive in that way. And that's a really good way to maintain flow is that you don't have those moments where people are, you know, stepping out of the game to consider their choices. It, it feels natural because it's like the, these goals are constantly flowing from one into another. And, you know, one, one way to definitely stop a flow state is when things get too hard. And mm-hmm. this game, there's never a point of no return, right? Like you're never stuck in a fight. You're never stuck in a situation that you can't get out of. You can always just fast travel out of anything. You can be falling. You can be in the middle of a fight. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think that that's, again, that's, that's something that's it's so refreshing to say, well, you know what? This isn't going to happen. I'm getting out of here. And it doesn't, you don't have to think about like, well, you know, how many times did I save beforehand? And where am I here? And it's like, nope, right now, this is not happening. I'm leaving. And then, like you said, like uh, shifting goals. It's like, you know what? I have... 30 side quests and I've got 20 shrine quests and I've got all this other stuff. I've got a memory I can find. There's a lot of stuff for me to do or cooking Mm -hmm. or upgrading my armor. Like I I think that all those systems also help in that again, because you're in in so many ways you're defining your own adventure, just like you're, you're filling out the map. Like the map looks like whatever you want it to look like. You're, you either have stamina or you have hearts. You can have the type of weapons that you want the type of clothes that you want. Like there was a point where I said, you know what? I, I'm going to get all the climbing gear and I'm going to start upgrading that. And that's like, mm-hmm. I just gave myself an entirely different quest line, right? Because now I have to go do this thing where I have to find all these resources and I have to do all these other things just because I want to play a certain way and I've created my own. And again, like every step is attainable because there's three different parts and each one has different pieces. And every... Because there's so many small pieces to every to every puzzle, you know, even even the the outfits are in a way a puzzle. They it's rewarding as you're building up to it, right? There's so many yeah. small chunks that you can that you can go through. So many small steps. Yeah, you're getting that like positive feedback hit every time you're you're completing oh, yeah. uh, your bullet your checklist for like each thing is like oh well I need to go pick up some lizard tails or collect crickets or find this particular shrine and each step that you're taking is really feels rewarding yeah even the weapons right like even even the and i've 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 thought a lot about this you know yeah it's it's a little annoying that your weapons can break but at the same Mm -hmm. time it it kind of always keeps you engaged in a way that's like oh wait a minute okay this is okay. My sword is weak. Oh, it's about to break. What what else do I have? Am I ready? Do I have something? Is there something on the field right now that I can use? Can I take his weapon? Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's again, it's like even the fight becomes a puzzle with all of these different pieces. And even the master sword doesn't just last. Like, there's no weapon in the game that just lasts forever. Yeah, 
I really like that. I think that that's another very intentional choice where um, because they have the game set up where all of Link's skills are sort of front loaded, where you get, you know, the uh, stasis and bombs and, and the magnetic control and all of that stuff, you get it right at the beginning instead of, you know, traditional games, Zelda games where you get them in a dungeon and they're mostly useful only within that dungeon. This is like, you you get it all right at the beginning, you can use them all, there's uh, cooldowns, but not limited, you know, not, you know the bombs. <laughs> there's no more bomb bags, that was another thing where I was like, no more bomb bags, what? <laughs> um, but having having it set up like that opens up this possibility of, of not maintaining an appropriate level of challenge for your players, right? It's like, oh, well, I have bombs, so I can solve every problem with bombs. And and that would that would be a way to sort of stop flow, but having this this system where it's like, yeah, you have all of your skills ready to go, but since they're not giving you new skills, they're get, like it becomes like inventory management and uh, resource management, like maintaining. Like, oh, okay, I have this guardian spear that's really strong, so I should save that, and I'll just throw this, uh, you know, Bokoblin arm, skeleton arm, at people instead of using my good weapon. Um, and that is how they maintain the challenge in the the later parts of the game. Which I think is a really creative way of uh, maintaining that, so it doesn't get boring. So, how do you feel about the constant breaking of weapons and the, you know, constant inventory management? Do you think that that in any way can actually play against the flow state, like that it actually pulls you out of it? I think it can. Um, I think because they have the uh, the quick weapon swap on the D pad instead of yeah. having to go into your inventory. Um, I think that is the the way to um, balance it back towards maintaining flow because it's very easy to just be all like, oh, this weapon's about to break. I'm gonna throw it in his face. It'll shatter, double damage, uh, and then just press, you know, uh, right on the D-pad and pull out your next weapon. But yeah, I think, I, and I'm saying this as a person who really traditionally hates uh, degrading weapons. Um, the Silent Hill series is probably my other favorite video game franchise series, and uh, when they introduced weapons that could break, it was so bad, and I hated it so much. <laughs> um, so it kind of it has poisoned me towards a lot of games that utilize that that system of of weapons breaking. But I think, generally speaking, most of the weapons. In Zelda, I feel like, you know, if they are strong weapons, they tend to last longer. There's generally, like, you know, like a skeleton arm. Yeah, that should break faster than, you know, a, a, a rusty sword, which would break faster than a non-rusty sword. It's it, At least it sort of makes sense in that way. Because I feel that every single weapon breaks fairly quickly. Like, I know that once I'm in a fight, I know this isn't going to last very long. Again, even the yeah. Master Sword. It's like, well, I can't depend on this the whole time. So it's actually in in my mind to to an extent. Like, I can go in confident that, oh, I have this cool weapon. And it not – like, it being so short, I guess it doesn't – it's weird because if it lasted longer and then it did break, it, bo it would bother me way more because yeah. I got used to it. But you never really get used to any weapon. And you can't. And – 
I think that that's the smartest part about it. The part that yeah. makes it feel like I don't get angry at the weapons. I just I I know that it's going to happen. So it's it's a secondary, like you know, again that inventory management is going on at all times. Mm-hmm. Where I and and you know the game never throws like fifteen enemies at you, right? So it's never that overwhelming. The encounters are usually pretty pretty small. So you can you can juggle all of those different things at once and and. I don't know. Like in general, I don't think I like the idea of of the weapon degradation, but I feel I feel like it does keep you more engaged. Yeah, it it becomes like a part of every every encounter is is it becomes like a cognitive thought process where you have to sort of weigh like okay, how many weapons do I have? How many are going to be useful against this this person, this boss, this mini boss, this moblin camp? Um, and it becomes like this sort of, not really a logic puzzle, but just sort of this like, okay, do I have the tools that I need to, to do this? And, you know, like we were talking about before, like, if you don't just, you leave, you don't have to fight anybody, which I think is so great where you're like, I'm, you know, I went to down in the bottom right of the map. There are two shrines that are both uh major, major combat yeah. yeah and i i went to them like fairly i think i i think that was also when i only had like five hearts and like maybe one stamina upgrade so i was like very ill-equipped to handle either of those five i'm like this is not happening and so i just left i was, I was it's, like it's I, funny one one of them is like out in the middle of the water and i tried mm-hmm. so hard to get there Right. And then once you do, you're like, I can't do this. Yep, <laughs> no way. That's exactly what happened to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I bet this puzzle is going to be so good. I hope it's a water puzzle. And I get out there. I'm like, no, major combat. No, I can't. I can't do this. Oh, no. But yeah. Yeah. So that was those uh, being able to fast travel to them, even if you haven't beaten them. I think was a, a good choice there because then you can just go and be like, oh, I'm not equipped to handle this. And, and you leave and you go do something else. You go fight some camps and get some more items or you go to a different shrine that happens to have a really nice sword in it or, you know, whatever. You find mm. you, you find workarounds. Did you go to Eventide, uh, event, Eventide Island? I think it's called. I haven't, I haven't been there yet. Are you familiar with it? Do you know what it is? Um. Mm, I think that I have heard of it, but I okay. do not. I don't remember. Off the so, top of my head. so it's it's right where those two shrines you're talking about. Further to the bottom right corner, there's another island, and that's Eventide Island. And it's a whole other challenge. That the first time I was there, I was like, absolutely not. There's no way. <laughs> so I just I got out of there immediately, and I haven't gone back. Which now, I'm I think I'm definitely uh, equipped to handle that, but. Again, it's just with so many different systems and your, the ability to jump back and forth through any of them, I think that the – again, this is my opinion. I don't know like what your conclusion is in, in your paper, but I think that the way it does that possibly better than any other game that I've ever played, right, by allowing you – like you, you never lose track of any of these quests. You can always go back to them at any moment. So really that um, – like you can live in that space between your skill level and the next challenge. Yeah. Exactly. At all times. 100% because you're defining that at every single turn. And exactly. it's not just the challenge level, it's also the resistance level 
you're able to control that because, like, you know what? I don't feel like doing a shrine right now. Or I don't feel like doing those major tests right now. I, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm in the mood for a fetch quest. But guess what? You've got 30 lined up. It's like, you know what? I want to find, I want to unlock the map or I want to do this. It's like, you know what? I'm going to go into Hyrule Castle. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, yeah. can, you can do that. You define, like you define your experience at every step of the way. And I can't, like, there's no, not even like other open world games. Like there's no other game that, that feels that way. I really do feel like this is, it's taken every single thing about, like, I can't go back and play. Um, I don't, I, I don't feel, I don't know how I can go back to lots of Zelda games, first of all. And that's like mm-hmm. weird to even think about, but yeah. I don't know how I can go to other um, open world games, you know? Like I went to, like I played Horizon Zero Dawn for two or three days, right? Which it came out two or three days before Zelda. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back to it and to, and I've heard people say like, oh, like you go back to Horizon and then you can't climb everything. And that's really weird. It's like, I, I can't live without, like, the fact that you can climb anything yeah. is, it's weird to say that it's revolutionary, but it completely changes the game. It does. It's a very, like, it's a very different kind of open world than yeah. what the traditional quote unquote open world slash sandbox game is like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the like really magical things about Breath of the Wild is that you know it really does give player total agency. Is like they they trap you in the tutorial area and they go, okay, here here's what you need to know. Here are your skills, and we'll give them to you one at a time. Teach you how to use them. Here's how the weapon system works. Here's how uh, climbing and stamina works. And, uh, okay, you're ready to go. You can do anything now. Good luck. Here's your sail, your parachute. Good luck out there. And then from that point, it's like, if you want to go directly to Hyrule Castle, do it. If you want to go and just fight the great, the divine beasts and get those superpowers, you can do that. Uh, if you want to go to every shrine, like I am planning on doing, you can do that too. There's 120 of them, Lauren. Are you sure? Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, I did 40, 43. I think. Yeah, I you're did a third of the way there. You can do this. You got I can this. Totally do this. <laughs> Plus now, now I have. I just upgraded my uh, stasis ability, so I can use it on the. Um, on enemies, yeah, on the guardians. On enemies now, which I'm really that that will help me a lot with those major major tests, combat tests. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, 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 I'm I I've also been uh I've gotten really into uh taking pictures with the, the Gotta fill up that compendium. I and it's one hundred percent optional. You do not need to do it at all. But yeah. I'm like every time I see like a bug, I'm like, ooh, is it a bug that I've seen before? Better take a picture just in case. Uh <laughs> And I take I take a bunch of pictures of the Koroks that I find on like tops of mountains because it's like the cute little dude and then this beautiful landscape shot behind him and I'm like oh yeah I'm saving this one in the album this is a good <laughs> good shot you know and that's that's like a throwback to Windraker too you know like that was a fun part of it yeah and and here it's like it's overwhelming it's like the Korok seeds like there's no way like I I'm not planning on getting 900 Korok seeds oh yeah no way but again see and that's that's another one of those things where. The way – see, this is – like it's completely changed my way of thinking regarding game design and 
and achieving a flow state. Because I always felt like you na- you had to design a game very specifically for the for that incremental for you know those those increments that keep you in flow, and mm-hmm. but nine hundred Korok seeds is absurd, but that just <laughs> yeah, means that they just they pop up all over the place. Like you're you're floating, you know, like you're you're gliding from one place to another, and all of a sudden you're like, what if there's a rock out of place there, right? There's always something to do, and. It's almost again. It's like it goes against everything I believed regarding game design and in, 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 in flow, in that instead of designing like precisely designing that experience, it just filled the map with so much. Even again, like even the inventory management, there's just so much. And but that's designed in such a way where I don't. I don't know. Again, it's I don't know how to put it into words exactly. It's very. They they made it. Instead of designing an experience for the player to uh, achieve flow, yeah. they set up a, a bunch of systems that allow the player to make their own experience of flow, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's an, a whole extra layer of, of agency expression there where it's like, not only do you have this world that's so full of things for me to do, you've given me the ability to choose whatever I want to engage with, which means that it's going to be inherently better because I will engage with the things that are most likely to create flow, right? I'm not going to choose stuff that bores me. I'm going to choose the stuff that I want to do. So that will keep the flow state going because I'm not like breaking it up with suddenly like, oh, I, I don't want to find Koroks right now, but the game is forcing me to. It's like, no, if you, like, don't. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Do something else. Yeah. And even, like, I can't imagine the testing that went on and the math that they had to kind of, like, put into place so it never feels frustrating. Because, yeah. like, right now I'm at a point where it takes 17 Korok seeds to upgrade my weapon stash again. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. But that is a lot. I only need three or four for the shield and the and the uh, and the bow. So mm-hmm. as long as I find one every now and then, which you will, because you'll just stumble upon them. My favorite thing is I'll I'll be walking somewhere and I'll just be all like, I'm gonna throw this rock off of a cliff, and I pick it up and then it surprise it's a Korok. I'm like, yeah. oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I was really like, I really did just want to th- throw this rock off the cliff, but okay, thanks, thanks for your gift. I appreciate it, buddy. I like to drop uh, rocks on Korok's heads when they pop up like that. <laughs> but yeah. but again, like now, okay, you have another Korok seed, and it's not a worthless Korok seed, right? And just like mm-hmm. the 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 shrines and the the orbs, the spirit orbs, like every four, you can do something with it. Yeah. So it doesn't take that long to be able to get something, right? That feedback is there. Like not only do you get the the pretty scene and all that, but three or four, boom. Now you're 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 able to upgrade something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like it is just it it is impressive how it seems like it's just a mess, but it all works together. And I, man, I I can't really find any flaws there in that sense. You know. Yeah. Like like some of the like some of the bosses and things like some things. I don't know. Like I really can't complain. <laughs> it's really there, hard for okay. me. That's yeah. an interesting question. Is there anything that you're like you're not you don't enjoy or you think was not handled as well as it could have been? The boss fights in the Divine Beasts mm-hmm. were a little annoying. 
I watched uh, my housemate do the uh, Gerudo camel. Yeah, the Thunderblade guy. Yeah. Yeah. That one that was seemed like a pretty tough battle and not super intuitive. No, I couldn't um, figure it out. I had to in the middle of the fight. I was like, I, I have no idea. I had to look it up. I had to look up a guide. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, whoa, really? That's the way to do it. And then once you figure it out, um, I thought, wow, that's really clever. But once you do it, it like it felt. It's one of the only times where it felt kind of um, like forced. Like yeah. we're gonna use magnesis. Like this is this, you have yeah. to use it. Um, but there's only four of those, <laughs> right? So there's That's true. yeah, which is it's very small. It's um, the dungeons themselves are really satisfying. Like shifting like this entire thing all around. Like the way that that works is is incredible. And so those are the only things, but. They also weren't like that one wasn't hard. It just I couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, and they, like and, and they were yelling clues at me, right? Like the champion is like, "Hey, I wonder if you could do." That. I was like, "I have no idea what you mean, man." He's no like, "Cough, cough, magnesis, cough." <laughs> You're like, "Stasis again?" I'll try it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "There's no water here to freeze." <laughs> yep, <laughs> there's been a couple of times where I'm like, mm, "I really wish there was a puddle that I could." Yeah. I just want to. I just want my ice cube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's hard to complain. I mean, boss fights are, you know, they're tough to, they're tough to nail, period. And um, they didn't feel, those didn't feel so much like, um, like Zelda boss fights from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, but like, that's. Out of 70 hours, I've spent maybe 15 minutes fighting bosses, right? Yeah. Not even, maybe 10. So, like, a boss fight as as is, like, it's definitely, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, feeling, you know, being in the zone or feeling some sort of flow, a boss fight, I think, automatically takes you out of that, regardless by design. Um, and so it's not part of that process. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's okay that it's something different, that it introduces something completely different. But again, like that's such a minor part of the game. I have no idea what Ganon, you know, what Calamity Ganon will be like. I yeah. I could go in there. I, like I like I said, I've like I've got I'm like sixty shrines in. I've got the Master Sword. Like I'm, I've got all four Divine Beasts. I could go in, but I don't think I want to yet. I, I think there's there's so much more that I want to do. So many more shrines. I do I do really love the idea that everybody's like Link. You're the you know the hero from a hundred years ago. We desperately need you to save Princess Zelda and protect us from Calamity Ganon. You're like that's cool, but I gotta go find more Koroks. <laughs> I need to go jump off a cliff and glide as far as I can, just for fun. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, that sounds like super important, but um, I can squeeze uh, that in just, like in two I weeks. Just wanna, maybe I gotta go catch that horse because it's blue. Yeah. So yeah. Princess Zelda can hold. She held off for a hundred years. She can hold on a little bit longer while I just, you know, go cook. You know, uh, a bunch of mushroom skewers. No big deal. Guys, someone told me there's a giant horse and they want a picture of it. And yeah, yeah. I kind of want to go find, see that. So um, Ganon, it's Ganon's horse. Really? I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, hmm. you know, because in uh like Ocarina of Time and stuff, there was that one that one the um the boss fight is in a round room with a with bunch the paintings? of paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. riding on that giant scary looking horse. It's that yeah. horse. <gasps> which I also I'm like, I want that horse. I wanna <laughs> pet I wanna pet that horse. <laughs> I barely use horses 
I have so much more fun running around and climbing stuff on my yeah, own. I have a Pona. Yeah. And oh, because you have all the amiibos. Because I have the amiibos. You've and got that it's, amiibo. uh, by the way, it's a, amiibo plural is just amiibo. Oh. Just, just so everybody knows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still gonna call them a bunch of amiibos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I got a Pona, and I was like, <gasps> and it's pretty cool when you get her, and and like you try to register her, but um, but yeah, I never I never use horses. I do not. I got three stamina wheels. I don't. I don't need horses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I run faster than you, horse. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I can climb, and you are really bad at that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is just again. Like, I I really wanted to geek out about the game. I'm. I'm so glad to to talk to you about it in in this context because you thought about it, um, like, in that way. I'm guessing you saw that before. You're like, I'm going to write a paper about this. and and I'm I'm curious like what, did you have any conclusion uh, to the paper or was it just um, or did we kind of cover what what you wrote there? <laughs> well, I mean I'm still writing it, <laughs> um, so I I haven't gotten you know I I can't I don't have anything to to read you of my conclusion. But ba- basically these these systems all interact in such a way to really promote flow and and I think the main the main. Uh, supports there is that there there is a lot of player agency the game is very much about letting you do whatever you want and there are really good feedback systems there's always especially visual feedback systems there's always you know there's a glowing light or a sparkle or a target or li- like literally they'll they'll you know you'll be talking to a character and the camera moves to show you where the person is talking about like they do a really good job of visually giving you information and that keeps you immersed in the game and that keeps you in flow state um yeah yeah i think i think it's a a great game i'm loving playing it and i really do think that because it's so much fun and it really promotes flow state, I think it, it probably brings as much joy to most people who play as it does for you and I. It's a very joy, joyful game. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a word I would use to describe it. Um, you know, you just said there's the, the player can do whatever they want. And I, I not only think that they can do whatever they want, they can do it whenever they want. And there's always something that they want to do. And and that's the kind of the magic of the game where there is – it's going to take another 40 hours probably for me to get to a point where I, where I could even say, oh, man, like there's no more new shrines for me to do mm-hmm. or there's no more of this for me to do, you know? Because even though I've unlocked the map, there's still so many things that I haven't seen and found. And – I don't know, you know, everybody measures, you know, what those $60 are worth in terms of time, right? But I mm-hmm. mean, I'm 70 hours into a game and I, I can see another 70 coming out of it. And that is, that kind of blows my mind. It, t- right? it does. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. it, it, I've, I don't know that I've ever played a game that incites such, like, I really feel wonder, like, I yeah. am I am exploring this space and I, I know it's not real, but I feel so invested like emotionally in this space where it's like, you know, you 
walk up a, a cliff and you get to the top just as the sun comes out and there's clouds and you can see like a lightning storm in the distance and you can see some horses down in the valley next to you and there's a moblin camp and you can see them you know one moblin is like sleeping and another moblin is standing next to the fire pit and it, like it feels like a real space and I always feel like I'm I, I'm constantly getting these like emotional feelings of discovery and wonder and and constantly feeling like whoa that's so cool I wonder what's next whoa that's even even cooler oh my goodness this is so great and like those those positive emotions are like so fulfilling in gameplay and, and especially like you know you're talking about <laughs> talking about Zelda to people who don't really play it I think there are still you know you can still tell stories about your gameplay to people who haven't experienced the game and still have it be pretty funny. Like, I love seeing uh, people talking about, like, oh, I was fighting this dude and he hit me and I fell and then I rolled off the edge of the cliff and then, or like, oh, I dropped a rock onto a dude and then a goat hit me from behind and I fell down too. It, it's just like there, <laughs> there are so many funny little anecdotes of your own exploration and discovery within this this game space and i think that's like really magical there was one where i i it was really hard to get to this tower and once i got there it was surrounded by ice and i i had i was like wait a minute what can i like what can i do here like how is mm -hmm. this possible so i looked at my items and i was like i don't have any fire arrows i don't have like i don't know what to do like i tried to tried to use a bomb it didn't work so mm -hmm. I had some firewood and I had a flint. Yeah. And I set a fire right in front of it. And then I just sat there and waited. And it took a long time, but it, sure enough, it melted. And it's one of those things where it's like, the, like you said, the rules are all there. And that moment is one of the moments that I remember so fondly because I feel like even that was a puzzle that I figured out and I felt yeah. really smart, <laughs> right? Well, Doing that, that. That's a, that's a really powerful thing to use in games, especially open yeah. world games is when you rely on like real life experiences to inform yes. your players. So it's like, okay, there's a bunch of ice. How do I beat it? Well, like real physical world is heat. You need heat to get rid of ice. Like, okay, so how do I make heat happen? And then sort of following that, being like, oh, right, I can start my own fire. I do I do like that the immediate thing is like, well, I'm going to blow it up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's yeah. like, I tried bombs first, but that didn't work. So, but yeah, yeah, I really love and, that. And, and every, every piece of ice can melt with heat, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a rule in the world. That's the way this world works. Yep. Whenever you find ice, that's how you'll interact with it. Uh, I discovered that the ice, if you have a flame sword, if you just, just equip it, if you just stand next to it, that melts the ice, which I love because that's yeah. like, that's sort of an, like a wink hint. If you haven't yeah. figured out to like light a fire, it's just yeah. like, no, no. Do you see that this ice cube melting? Do you see yeah. it? Look, yep. heat. There's your answer. Um, I, I heard someone talking about a, a shrine puzzle where you have to move a piece of ice and it kept melting. And he was like, I don't have enough time to get from point A to point B. And he just, he had a flame sword equipped and he didn't realize it. And that's why it kept melting. 
You know, it's like, oh, man, yeah. And and that's like hearing that story, I was like, oh, I could use a flame sword to melt stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, again, it's just so many, so many cool stories. And and I'm I, again, I'm glad you said it was joyous because that's definitely how I feel. And I don't usually play a game and then decide, you know what, I'm going to start this game all over again and do it again. And I'm actually, I think I'm pretty certain that when I eventually get a we uh, a switch, I want Breath of the Wild again, so I can yeah. Like I don't the idea of starting it again. It's it's actually appealing to me, mm-hmm. and and that's a new feeling for me. That's a very new feeling for me. To think that I'm 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 saying right now, whatever seventy hours, it's okay. I could. <laughs> those are seventy good hours. I can do them again. Not like oh. Absolutely not. I'm not starting hours. that over again. Yeah. yeah. Like I have games where I've lost a file. I'm like, nope, never again. I will never do that again. Yeah, me too. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Ooh, man. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for geeking out with me. I think we had a, a pretty a pretty deep discussion on kind of why it makes us feel the way it does, why it works, even though it seems so crazy. Yeah, Why the hype is definitely. real? Oh my gosh, I could. We could probably talk about this oh, like another hour. Yeah, or we two. may. I, like. I need to stop this recording, but we and we may. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just I totally love it. It's it's so great. It's like, uh, yeah. it, it, I love it. I love Zelda, Nintendo. You've you've got me. You've got me again. <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> oh, man, Nintendo. All right, Lauren, so if anybody wanted to reach out to you and geek out more about Zelda, ask you about your media psychology adventures or, you know, want to copy your uh, Breath of the Wild paper, (laughs) (laughs) how can they reach you? Where are you? Uh, I am on Twitter at Chicken Dinosaur, one word. Um, (sighs) And that's – I'm not on Facebook, so so Twitter is the way to get me. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, Chicken Dinosaur, thank you again for coming on. 